and welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision Assure brought to you by uscfootball.com. I'm your host, Keely Orr, joined by Ryan Abraham and Shotgun Spratling. We have an interesting show for you guys today. We're going to cover a couple topics, a couple sports. We're going to talk about the new commit that USC picked up this week. Also, picked up another guy for their support staff, boosting out, boosting up the recruiting staff. We'll get into that. Also, a hoops update. Now, the boss man says we can only talk about it for 45 seconds. And 45 seconds sounds But good. we might break that rule, so we'll see. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, and then we'll, we'll answer your questions as always, wherever you're watching YouTube, Periscope, or Facebook. Put your comments, questions, and concerns. We'll be sure to try and answer them as best as we can. And as always, you can call us 5124 Tunnel. Our intern, Micah, is waiting by to screen your calls. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, you can also tweet at us, hashtag TunnelVision, and I'll put your tweet up on the screen. Guys, like I said, we have a lot to talk about today. I guess first off, let's start with some recruiting news, I guess, because it's time for recruiting again. Uh, the 2022 class now. Yeah. Uh, Ty Canna committed to USC. He's an ins- inside linebacker, three-star from Texas. I know there's some mixed reviews because when anyone hears the word three-star, the phrase three-star, they're kind of like, eh. I want to know what your guys' thoughts were when you uh, saw this commitment and saw his tape. Uh, Go for it. Okay, I'll start first. Uh, yeah, I mean... So, Katy, Texas, it's a powerhouse in uh, Texas football, obviously. USC, okay, there's 10 coaches on staff. Seven of them have connections to Texas. So, you knew Texas is going to be a part of, you know, USC's recruiting plan. Four players from 2021 uh, signed uh, out of the state of Texas. So, it's definitely been something, an area that USC is looking at. They're going to, you know, go in the backyard and you're going to recruit California as much as possible, but... I don't want to say it's low-hanging fruit sometimes, but you can get some guys out of Texas. He's never been to Los Angeles before, and he's a commitment. Now, signing day still, you know, months and months away, so we'll see what happens there. But he said he's 100% uh, committed to Texas. I haven't got the lot. We, you know, obviously we didn't see him. He's not a local guy. I haven't seen uh, much of him. But Gabe Brooks had, you know, he's a, does a great job covering recruiting down in Texas. Had some, you know, nice things to say about. Him. I haven't seen him a lot in coverage yet. Uh, doing kind of a lot of uh, run support stuff. Um, so we'll have to see, you know, how he performs in his senior year, you know, watch it going through, you know, the Texas high school football and kind of follow along uh, with what he's doing there. But I wouldn't poo-poo it. Oh, he's another three-star commit. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, a position of need for sure. You want to get some some uh, more beef at inside linebacker. I mean, I think he's about six one six two, about 210 pounds. So he certainly can, you know, put on a little bit more weight. Uh, but, you know, early on in the process, you see what they're doing. You know, you're getting some support staff people out of the state of Texas. You've got a lot of, uh, you know, coaches from the state of Texas. You're going to pick up some recruits from the state of Texas, and and ties the latest one. Shotty, yeah, he's a guy that, that gets downhill. You know, he attacks downhill against the run game. He does a good job of avoiding offensive linemen and blockers to be able to to get into the backfield to get to the the point of attack. Uh, just looking at his highlight tape and stuff, not much coverage at all on the highlight tape, though. So that's a concern. Um, you know, what are you going to be asking out of this position? We've seen those guys drop into coverage plenty in, in Todd Orlando's system. So we'd like to see some more clips on that, which, you know, maybe we'll get some seven on seven tape from him at, at some point to, to be able to see how he does in, in that regard. Um, it's, it's interesting that you're, Going out and getting early in the process a three-star kid from Texas because, you know, if you go get high-profile players out of state, you usually don't want to get them early in the process because then that just, you know, you basically got the hounds on you the entire rest of the recruiting process. So getting a three-star, maybe that's a little bit different. You know, teams are just, you know, just aren't going to be focused on him as much. And because he is committed, that's a little, you know it's, it's interesting to dynamic to go after it. Similar to the way they did with Colin Mobley last year, the defensive lineman uh, from Damatha Catholic in Maryland. 
Um, you know, he's a three-star defensive end. They really like him, and they, they got his commitment. And then we didn't really hear much about him the rest of the time. It wasn't like, you know, there was some, some big-name teams coming and making late runs on him or anything. No, it was just he was solid the entire time, and maybe that's something they see with Ty Kana. Uh, they, they see the potential there, and they think that he's, he's a quality guy, and they think that he'll go under the radar as far as everyone else trying to come and recruit him. And so maybe that has something to do with that. I'm not sure. It's, it's a little strange to get out-of-state players early in the process just because you know that every other team um, is going to be negatively recruiting against you as far as the location, distance, and all that stuff. So it puts an extra target on your back when you get out-of-state guys like that. And, and real quick, um, not every three-star is built the same. I mean, there are some three-star guys that are like ranked 2,500 in the country. He's a top, you know, 500 kid. He's, I think, number seven, the number, number 17 inside linebacker in the country. So he would be on the upper end of the, you know, the three-star kind of guys. Now, Texas played football. You know, we didn't get to see some of the California guys. So maybe there's less guy, you know, less three-stars that are getting ranked from locally. And that's part of this, too, is you did you – if there was a guy that you thought had a great junior year, you're going to give him an early offer in California. You didn't get to see those guys play too. So maybe it's a the strategy is a little bit of, you could get on some guys early that you like um, from out of state that you, you know, play football because they know they're going to probably get on some guys later in California when they didn't play football. So there's, you know, it's definitely been an interesting dynamic, uh, not just with the dynamic of the, you know, the makeup, of the USC coaching staff, but also where can you recruit that they've actually played football? So if, you know, Ty Kana was in, you know, if he was at Sarah High School and didn't get to play his junior year, he probably doesn't get an offer. He's probably not going to be a commit, but because he played in Texas, uh, you know, people could see him more. Yeah, I was going to ask, the dead period was extended through May. How much does that affect recruiting at this point? Because if you're at a school, you're at a disadvantage because not only can you officially host kids, you can't even see the whole nation play because it's so scattered based on which state you're playing in. Yeah. I mean, I think this is the new normal, right? I think people are used to know, you know, a dead period just because it's been going on for over a year now, right? Or to, you know, about that. Almost, yeah. Um, it's approaching that. It's going to go, you know, certainly extend longer than that. But we've seen guys commit and sign and enroll at places they've never seen before. So that was not really something you would do all the time. It was a little rare. It's probably going to happen a little bit more. USC has an advantage there being local. You can make these kind of unofficial visits and mm -hmm. things like that because not local. I mean, USC is local to itself, but USC is local to a lot of sure. recruits. If you were in Corvallis, it's going to be a lot harder to like stop by Oregon State's campus. You can do that at USC a lot easier. Yeah. If you're, I mean, and you're in Southern California where sure. most of the talent uh, in the Pac-12 footprint is. Mm -hmm. Shadi, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, with the dead period, it, it's you know making it more challenging for recruits to be able to get out and see. Um, you know, you got to go off the gameplay, the the tape of what teams have produced, rather than you know the flashy new thing that they can show you on their campus. So does that play in USC's favor? You know, if you're a defensive player, you you saw a lot of positives on that side of the ball, and maybe you're excited to play on that. So maybe you're more likely to come across the country. Um, you know, seeing what they're doing and what you know steps do you think that they are taking on that defensive side. Uh, you know, it's 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 just tough for those kids that aren't going to get those full that full opportunity to go explore colleges and just kind of had to make that decision, you know, based on you know what they see online. You know, I did this. This was my undergrad and graduate. You know, uh, choosing schools. I didn't visit either one. I was like, oh, the pictures look good online. That works. <laughs> so that's basically what these kids are having to do. Now we saw a lot of basketball players ended up actually having to do this. So USC, they're <laughs> the grad transfers they brought in and stuff. Those guys sight unseen. So, you know, you're trying to, to sell kids on, you know, what you're doing more than what you have necessarily on campus, other than, you know, that Zoom tour that when you're walking around, you got the intern with their computer showing like, oh, this is, this is where you'll be. Right That's here. a Chris Trevino joke that you just stole, Shaga. It's true, though. It's yes, true. Yes. Um, but as far as just circling back to Ty, how does he fit in USC's inside linebacker depth right now, given where everyone checks out? I mean, you got a lot of concerns with the inside linebacker depth because of injuries. Mm -hmm. So if everyone comes back and everyone's healthy, Solomon Tuli Alapupu, Jordan Iasefa, Elijah Winston, hey, you got plenty of depth there. Now you got some older guys that could be, you know, taking that step in and being gone after the next year. But right now you, you go, we got a couple guys and that's it. You know, because we just don't have the the healthy bodies, so it's a big concern there, and it's the spot where they definitely have to go and recruit um, for. And you know, that's the spot that maybe even depending on how you feel about the health of Solomon and, and Jordan Yosefa, then those are that's a position maybe even look at the transfer portal for. 
to add some depth and to to compete with Kanae Malga and Raylan Goforth at the front. Mm-hmm. Ryan, any other thoughts before we move on? It's definitely you know a position we've seen injuries, transfers. There's if you know, and that's Todd Orlando's group. You know, so I think you're getting a guy like that. You want to put a little bit of faith into the process. If you're like, oh, it's another three star guy. I don't think Todd Orlando is bringing in somebody that he f- doesn't feel is going to be able to see the field at some point. So he see he sees something in him, and I think that's a positive. But they they needed better production. It was a little rough in the first couple of games, and I think they got better once they got a feel for everything. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm really looking forward to spring football this year because we're get to see the you know the install of the defense, a lot of these young players, what they're going to do, and uh, you know how that whole group looks. But that you felt like they got shortchanged a little bit last year, like most people, you know, with the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so I think there's going to be higher expectations for this defense, but it did, they did perform a lot better. They got better as the season went on. It's a short season, but mm-hmm. uh, I think that's positive signs for the USC defense. Yep, I would agree. Hopefully we can see. You said we can see spring camp. We I don't, don't know, know yet. We'll yeah, see. We'll Fingers see. crossed. <laughs> uh, now the next topic we're going to talk about is another guy USC added to its support staff. They added Jeff Martin out of LSU. Uh, he's filling in Trey Johnson's role, I believe. Um, so. He was a guy who I know USC was very excited to add to the staff. He's a guy, again, who will boost USC's recruiting. What were your guys' initial thoughts from this development? This is a guy that Gavin Morris, you know, pointed out, in, I think in uh, January or February, you know, that, that USC was going to come for, and sure enough, they went and got it. Yep. Ryan? Yeah, it's, uh, I just think it shows that USC is taking this seriously now. And we saw for a long time, you know, guys like Gavin Morris, uh, there would be Eric Ziskin. There'd be a couple of guys, and they had a lot on their plate. Their recruiting staff that was just, they were spread really thin. And they did a great job for what they had to do. But when you would compare, and that's part of USC's problem over the years, they wouldn't compare what they do to other people. College football changed. Like, in the time from, you know, Pete Carroll's era to, you know, on, yeah, yeah. they made bad coaching hires and things like that, and they made bad decisions, but... USC didn't adapt at all. That whole arms oh, race yeah. that was going on, USC didn't take part because they were just doing things the way they had always done things. And then you start seeing what the what you're competing against. It's like, you know, being in college and getting graded on a on a curve and you know, you're competing against everyone else in the room. Yeah, USC's got the tradition and all that stuff and you can still do well at USC without having all the the, you know, the bells and whistles that other programs have. They had the worst uh, you know, weight room in you know the the top twenty five when they won national championships with Pete Carroll, and they built that up later. But even when they built uh, the John McKay Center, they didn't have the vision to see what was going on in the rest of the country. They literally built it so there was enough offices for like the nine coaches and like one room for like a you know support staff person, and like that was it. You're seeing now. I mean, whole buildings of support staff people. Clemson's got like just teams of these guys. Uh, and I think now USC is showing that they're taking this seriously. And they could have gone out and hired like Marshall Sherrington, like we talked about a few months ago, and just sat on their lawyers like, hey, we went out and got somebody. Yeah, we had to replace two guys, but we got a we got a big name guy. He got a couple top 25 classes for Cal. We brought him back to USC. And you're just like, okay, so we're good on the support staff. That wasn't what they're doing. They're like going out and getting multiple guys that were, you know, headline kind of guys, guys that like a Bruce Feldman would tweet about. Then, you know, okay, this is a serious support staff person that they're going after. They're getting support staff people that other big time programs want. Steve Sarkeesian wanted to keep them, uh, you know, like shotgun said, you know, with uh, Brian, you know, signing like Ed Oliver at Houston, like guys like that, like those are the kind of people you want to bring in. And I feel like this is just another step. So to me, it's just an overall good sign of the kind of foundation that the USC Athletic Department is trying to build for the football team, something we just haven't seen before. They weren't doing that. You could have the best coach in the world, and they still were going to give you kind of spotty uh, help around it. Now, whoever the coach is, if it's Clay Elton for the next 10 years, if it's somebody next year, they're going to have a much better foundation around the football program. And you have to have that yep. if you want to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, completely agree. Shotgun, and, anything to add? And apparently, you know, USC has been reading 24-7 sports. Is that right, Keely? <laughs> yeah, I, I put this on the B uh, because there's a, a article that Steve Wilfong wrote uh, for the site uh, for 247 on January 21st that says off-field recruiting positions uh, should be emerging in college football. And the three main people mentioned in the article are Brian Carrington, Gavin Morris and uh and who USC just hired uh Jeff Martin and so uh so it was like USC just picked up all three <laughs> they right. have all three of them now so Wait, those, those would be good 
but that that's great. Like, okay, I'm sure you know that's nice that they went after those guys, but that's something USC wouldn't have done before. So you got to give them kudos that they would go yeah. out and get Sorry. instead of just like making do with what you had. Like, hey, Gavin's good. You don't need much more than that. Let him work eighty hours a week. Like, no, you're going <laughs> to yeah. go out and get more people that are really good at their job. Like, when that's unprecedented. Like, you could have a Gavin. You would have all three of those guys. Like, three main guys mentioned, and USC hired all of them. Like. USC wouldn't have one of them unless they would lucked into one of them before. Now you go out and I get those guys, you acquire them all in the same offseason. I mean, for the last two, uh, that's that shows I think they're doing something differently than what they've done before. Yeah, and all three of those guys are very personable and connect really well with, with people, not just recruits. So they're going to be, they should be able to build a lot of connections there. Um, you know, not just in Texas, but also, you know, Jeff Martin being at, at uh, LSU, he's worked with, you know, LSU recruits in Texas, but also very heavily in Louisiana, in Mississippi. So maybe USC can work on getting some of those big boys that they've been missing um, in the trenches. You know, that's one of the areas where they've struggled to recruit recently. Maybe that's some, something that, that Jeff Martin can help with as well. Yeah. yeah. It always helps to have guys who have eyes uh, across the nation instead of just in Southern California and whatnot. Um, any other thoughts about USC's uh, support staff? Before we move on to Ryan, close your ears, USC Hoops. Well, before we go on to that, unless yes. Shotgun has anything more, that you forgot bullet number one at the very top of the, the thing. My bad, right? That's okay. <laughs> we have a huge, the best deal of the year. If you're, thanks for watching the show, first of all. Yes. Hit the like button wherever you are. I'm sorry for the Periscope people because I think it's, I think we have like one or two more shows on Periscope and it's going away. <laughs> I know. We might be able to do a live Twitter thing just just through Twitter. I'm not sure how that's going to work, but we'll, we'll play with that. We'll we'll Our buddy love. George said, uh, we'll miss Periscope soon. Fight on all. Yeah, we're going to miss Periscope too, but hopefully we can do the Twitter live. I think they're doing a Twitter live thing. We'll just sure. do it on that. But otherwise, Facebook and uh, YouTube will be on there, but hit the likes. We love those. But we're doing the best deal that we'll have all year. So right now, you can get half off of an annual subscription to uscfootball.com, which is awesome. Like That's a great deal already, but they're going to throw in CBS All Access, which in about a week or so will be uh, Paramount Plus. It's another one of the streaming services, but they're going to have like live sports. They got tons, all basically all the CBS kind of shows. If you watch the Super Bowl, they played the commercial many times. Yeah. So you can <laughs> see, yeah, the Paramount Plus, like the Mount, Climb the Mountain stuff. You get that for free. So as long as you're a subscriber to the sites, you're paying for uscfootball.com. You're getting a half price and you're getting instant access to this. And usually the deals, if you sign up for the deal, they'll say you can get it, but only when your, uh, your uh, trial runs out, when your, uh, uh, bonus period or whatever it is, you know, when that runs out, then you can get CBS uh, All Access. You can get it right now. So you get a half price and you get CBS All Access all at the same time. So if you're not a subscriber, it's the best insider information you can get on USC Football, of course, at uscfootball.com. It's heads in the name. And then you can also get CBS All Access or Paramount Plus. So um, pretty cool. So make sure you go check that out on the site. It's right up on the front page. There you go. Well done, boss man. Thanks. I was leaving it up to you. You know. That's okay. It's amazing <laughs> how Keely can't take the bullet points in order. Okay. <laughs> I think she was, to be fair, I think she's reading the bullet points on the screen that we put up there. There's We've, many bullet points around yes. me, guys. <laughs> yeah. um, she's got a lot of just juggling also, a lot. Also, we'll I'm give her waiting till the meat of the audience comes oh, in. You know, okay. they got to trickle oh. in, guys. I, th I think about these things. Right. Um, so... <laughs> Shotgun, you and I talked about it last night on Instant Analysis, but USC dropped a game at the Galen Center to Arizona, 81-72. to You called this, it could be a blessing in disguise. Explain yourself. Potentially. Yeah, Potentially. I, I think this could be just what they needed. You know, they, they've beaten some teams that are, um, you know, that are not the greatest of teams recently, and they played really well. Well, now when you play a team that would be an NCAA tournament caliber team if Arizona had, was not self-imposing a postseason ban, so, you know, you got beat up. You know, they were more physical, they were tougher, and maybe that, that's something that USC needed to learn before they go into the NCAA tournament, potentially playing a Big East team or, uh, you know, an ACC team. And that's the kind of ball that they want to play. You know, how are they going to react to it if the referees call it loose, which is what happened in this game. They didn't call a ton of fouls. USC only drew three team fouls in the first half. Um, on Arizona. So Andy Infield said that they weren't aggressive enough. And, you know, the second half they came out and they were a little bit better in, in those regards. And Evan Mobley was spectacular in the second half, but they need that type of performance from him the entire game. He scored 19 in the second half. Uh, so if they can get him to, to put up a 30 point game, you know, we still haven't seen that from him. That's something they're looking to see if they can get that aggression out of him for 40 minutes. So maybe this is a game that teaches them something. And that's what Tajidi said after the game. I asked him about, you know, Andy Enfield yelled at the bench at one point, called him soft. 
And I said, Hey, was, were you guys soft? And he said, there were spurts where they, you know, they weren't as tough as they could be and it's something they can definitely learn from. So we'll see if they actually do that big game, obviously tomorrow against Oregon yep. with the fact that, you know, the first place is now they're tied with UCLA and Oregon is right behind them with a couple, you know, a couple games back, but they still have some games to make up so they can make up room without USC playing at all. And USC wasn't even scheduled for Oregon initially, right? Shotgun. Yeah. From what I've heard and what it sounds like the USC coaching staff was not very happy with this decision. You know, they were preparing for Stanford. They played Stanford. So they've already got a game plan kind of figured out. Obviously Stanford's got some players coming back from the first time they played, but four days before the game, you know, the Pac-12 goes, hey, you know what? Let's have you play Oregon instead. <laughs> well, Oregon, they, they still have two games they're supposed to make up with UCLA, and they have one other game to make up as well, I, th- I think, with Arizona. So why are they switching a USC game already scheduled instead of having Oregon play? Oregon could come to L.A., but they could play UCLA. There's two games they have to make up. So it's kind of confusing why they would do that. Um, and it's a quick turnaround, you know, to, to be able to play, especially when you don't have a chance to prep for the team. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Oregon's in the same, same situation. They played at home this past weekend. They'll travel to LA. They didn't have time to prep for USC either, but you know, it's, it's just kind of, it was kind of a weird situation for the Pac 12 to just suddenly on, on Wednesday or Thursday, just say, Hey, we're going to switch this game next week. Now, I, I, what I think will happen. Is that why they didn't play UCLA right now? Oregon is because they'll play them both back to back, both those games that they have to make up at a neutral site or at one home stadium, you know, the final week of the season before UCLA plays USC. We'll see how that kind of plays out. Maybe that's what they're thinking, but still, it was really weird that the Pac 12 just kind of threw this on both the teams. Pac 12 scheduling Oregon at the last minute. Where have I heard this before? Hmm. hmm. Um, now, USC has four games left in the regular season. How do you think it's going to go, Shotgun? What's your prediction? Hey, four tough games, too. You yep. know, you play Oregon, who's playing really well right now. They've won uh, five in a row, I believe it is, and they've got some quality wins in that. And they're a really tough team, and they're you know all playing and all healthy right now for the most part. So that's been a big thing. They've been up and down, pauses and not. Uh, then you go on the road to Colorado, on the road to Utah, and those are two places USC has not traditionally played well. Colorado is playing pretty well right now. Uh, they got a, a big win. USC could have got helped out on Saturday. They lose to Arizona, but Arizona State was up on uh, UCLA and blew that game. Oregon was losing, and I can't remember who they were playing, but they blew you know the blew the game. Utah, I think it was. So you know yep. Colorado got pushed by Oregon State. There was chances for USC to get a little help. But instead, you know, they're, they're sitting at the top of the standings. They've got to be able to play well down the stretch if they want to get that Pac-12 title. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Boss man, are you good? No, it's yeah, it's good. It's it's one of those things where I always tell Shotgun, I'm like, are they going to be good? Or are you just like, talk, wait, we're talking about this team. But, you know, seven-game win streak is, I mean, it's legit. Um, you know, I, I don't think they played particularly well against Arizona, but we'll see how they finish up. But if they can finish out the season strong, uh, you know, I'll give them a, a minute and a half. Like, there's more we can <laughs> talk about. Yeah, like, you know. Crazy. Uh, but they got to go out. They, they have, what, they haven't won the regular season title, like. Since I was born. Yeah. 1985. And, uh, you know, they're going to have the tournament again. So you got to get an opportunity to do that. But uh, that's, you know, that's legit. Yeah, I th- I actually didn't see the end of the Arizona State-UCLA game. I thought Arizona State won. And then I saw it later. They, I'm like, how did they lose? Yeah, they blew it. Yeah. Craziness. Shotgun, I feel like you're pessimistic about tomorrow's game, though, for USC. Well, you know, coming in, I was I was kind of thinking when I, later in the week after USC beat Arizona State, I was thinking they'll probably split the Arizona and Oregon games. And I thought Oregon would be the team that would probably catch them on the back-to-back portion of it, not having the chance to, to game plan. So we'll see. I want to see how they respond. I think this will tell us a lot about whether this team actually has a potential NCAA tournament run, not just a, a one- or two-game win. Uh, and make it, they can make it to a sweet 16 and you say, okay, that, that's probably where they should have been. Now, can they make a run in the lead eight or the final four? I think we'll learn a lot more whether they're even capable of that from this game on Monday. I think it'll tell us a lot because Oregon's going to come in. They're going to try to be physical as well. And they've been playing really well. So how does USC respond after that loss to Arizona? I think we'll find out something about this team. Yep. Makes sense. Uh, let's jump into questions. And to do so, we're going to jump to a different sport. Sorry, Ryan. Close your ears. John Beck on Facebook wanted to say, uh, let's talk about baseball. So, Shotgun, <laughs> USC baseball. is 2-1 right now. Started the season this weekend. Just a quick 
quick thoughts about USC baseball. Uh, you know, off to a decent start. They should have won today as well. They had a league uh, in going in the ninth inning and, and gave it away and then lost in extra innings to LMU. Um, you know, it's early and there's a lot of unknowns with this team. You know, they, you know, I talked to Jason Gill last week on, on the, the Hurt on the Sidelines podcast. Look. And he talked about how they basically got like 11 days in December and that was their fall practice. Normally you have multiple weeks, you know, it's an off-season training camp. You're able to play multiple scrimmages. He said they basically just went through kind of the the basics, you know, in, in December. And that was all they could do because that's when they were able to get on campus. They got a waiver from the NCAA just to do it because they were out of school session at that time. Um, but, you know, he said it was simple stuff like showing the freshmen where things are on campus <laughs> because they haven't been to campus at all. So, you know, small things like that. And then in January, they started to, to go. But he said that it would be a little bit – he felt they would be a little raw early in the season. Uh, now they've got some talented – they bring back their three, four, five hitters. Clay Owens, I think, had two homers today. Um, Jamal O'Gwen, who, who had a homer a couple days ago, and uh, Ben Ramirez. Those three guys would all be in the MLB uh, in the professional ranks right now if it wasn't for the fact that the MLB cut down the draft from 40 rounds last year to five. So they would have they would have been drafted at some point and, and signed. Instead, they're back, and so USC has those three talented guys in the middle of their lineup to kind of carry them. They got some young guys around them: Tyrese Turner, Rylan Thomas. Who I'm really excited about both of those guys. Um, Nate Clow, who's a two-way guy, you know, off to a good start as well for them. And then the question is going to be on the pitching mound, on the pitching mound, and what they can do as far as the staff there. And they got a really big. Uh, positive sign on Saturday. I went and saw the first few innings and Chandler Champlain, who's a guy coming out of high school who, you know, was offered over a million dollars to, to sign and chose to come to USC. And he's a guy that has struggled the first two years on campus, but he looked really good throwing his fastball for strikes consistently. And that's been the biggest issue for him. He can get up to 96, 97 miles an hour, but on Saturday he was sitting 91, 92 and staying in the strike zone, hitting the mitt. And that's a big deal from them. They barely threw any breaking balls the, the few innings that I was there. So very, very good positive sign for them that he threw well for them. So, you know, there's, there's some things to look forward to. They're going to have some, some rough patches early in the season, but they could be a team that could surprise in the Pac 12. UCLA, is the number two team uh, in preseason polls. They just lost. I just came from there. That's why I have the tie on, uh, Coley. Um, you know, I was covering a U UCLA baseball against San Francisco, and, and San Fran took the series and, you know, upset them. So, um, you know, the Pac-12 is going to be an interesting conference in, in baseball this year. Yeah, we got a question from Coley White that says, Shotgun's wearing a tie, and Ryan has a fishing hat on. Is this in a bizarro world? So it's you not guys a fishing have hat. <laughs> How would you describe it's a Catalina it? Catalina hat. It's a baseball hat. I don't, I don't know. know. Who knows? Catalina Island, man. Uh, Jasper Smith has a question for the group. He says, with USC being completely open for the fall, does that apply to having fans at games? So if you missed it, uh, Careful came out with a letter that said that USC is planning for a full return to campus for the fall semester with in-person classes and residential life. I believe USC is the first California university to say that. Yeah. So pretty, pretty big. And uh, so I... Crowds, though, that seems like a whole different ball game. Yeah, Eric Tang on Periscope too. He says predictions if there's going to be fans at home games in the fall. I, the fact that students can be on campus, I think it definitely opens up the door for that. That you're going to have guys, you know, people back, you know, students back on campus. But I think it's going to be severely limited. It might be like it's tough for students to go because they're going to want the donors to go. And I think with the the new suites and everything, you can have people like. Hey, everyone has to be from the same household or whatever, like make stipulations on what can go in there. So I, I feel it's going to be some, I, my guess is there'll be limited capacity at the home games, uh, but we'll see. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not, I think up to USC, they probably do it, but there's a lot of government stuff going on. And, you know, there's a huge battle right now. If you're, if you're not in the state of California, the governor is facing a recall. He's a democratic governor. He's got the teachers unions, which are pretty powerful in California. They want not to, to not open schools. He's trying to push back on them. So there's like a lot of fighting going on uh, about the, you know, what to do during the pandemic. And I think this could be part of it. But USC players wrote him a letter. And that's basically why Pac-12 football happened, uh, you know, later in the fall. Uh, but I, I feel like by then uh, there'll be enough vaccines and stuff going around. I feel like we're going to at least get some limited uh, hopeful. There's going to be some Push limited attendance. Like, that's just my Who knows? guess. I don't know. What do you guys Shate. 
I mean, we've seen positive signs with, with the virus and the numbers and stuff. So I think that's a, a really, um, you know, gives you a positive outlook on the fact that fall, that's a long way away. Um, you know, in the life of how this virus has changed life for everyone, uh, four months away is a, is a long time or five months away. Um, so I think that there's a good chance that it will happen just with the, the current trajectory that we're on. If everything continues to progress, then, then I think so. Don't get my hopes up like this, guys. This is too positive. Yeah. And hey, it may it, the the Pac-12 may still be behind all the other conferences. You may see the SEC open up and be full bore, you know, 100% capacity. Whereas the the Pac-12 may be following behind and kind of doing what some of the other school, the other conferences did last year. Yeah, maybe like 25% yeah. capacity yeah. or something. Like it's that. It's hard to imagine just you know in general like life like could you go to a concert like. Could, all those New things. Zealand. New Zealand's like doing it. They're doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's all the things where you would be like shoulder to shoulder with people. Seems so Would it boring. feel like, like, can we do that? Or is it, you know? Yeah, it's I, it's hard to picture a full stadium like that. Yeah. But, and as Keeley said, the, the USC, I think you're correct that they're the first school to do it. There's other schools in California that are still very strict on things. You know, baseball season just started. Try to go to a game at LMU, not today's game where USC was there, but they're not having any, allowing any media on campus. You know, there's a couple other schools. They're not allowing media to cover the games, which is, you know. Little, no fans. It's not even like, a, yeah. you know. And you would be the only media person there, right? So it'd be like one. Yeah. So. It's not like there's like throngs of media that be coming to campus. It'd be you. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's been a little strange. You know, I went to San Diego State on Friday for a game, and it's just scouts and media, you know, and people working the game. There's no fans or anything. Same thing. I went to USC for a little bit on Saturday and then UCLA today. Um, so it's everyone's spaced out and everything. So I think it's – it's hard to see that right now that there's going to be, you know, a full – definitely won't – I don't think a full capacity, but yeah. maybe you'll see some 25% or something in the very vast stadiums of the Pac-12 compared to the baseball stadiums. Yeah. And also high school football, uh, high school sports as well coming back, it seems. Yeah, yes. they, they got, I think they got approved, right? I yeah, think there's, so. There's a I lot of – Modern Day came out with a statement, um, but crazy. Who knows? And I think the state's doing they're they're supplying something like the testing or something like that because it was gonna be an issue if like, okay, you can have high school football. Oh, modern day. Okay, we're gonna have daily testing, have all this stuff. And you're at Inglewood High School and they're like, Oh yeah, we can't do that. So could they play? So I think there's gonna be from what I read, I haven't gotten into it too deep, but there'll be like some statewide programs that are gonna help all the programs and make sure it's not just the highly resourced programs that can play that everyone should be able to. Makes sense. Uh, Tito on YouTube has a question. He says, who has a higher chance to be a left tackle, Cortland Ford or Casey Collier? It's an interesting question just because Casey Collier was the guy backing up um, the left tackle spot was with the second string while Cortland Ford was inside this year. But I think that's because he was further along in his development and he was going to be the next guy up, whether it be at guard or tackle. I think Ford is the guy that has a little bit more upside. Um, or we, I think, let me take that back. Casey Collier has more upside, I think, has a higher ceiling, but Cortland Ford has a lower floor. I mean, a higher floor. So I think that uh, Ford is the guy that I think will potentially take that position. But the height and length that Casey Collier has, if he puts it all together, I think he has a higher ceiling. Hmm. Yeah. I would, I'd probably go with Ford too, where I feel like he's more ready right now, but. Mm -hmm. It would be great to be able to watch these practices and see because you're basically basing on what we saw in high school, let alone, yeah. you know, with, not, you know, they've been on campus for a year. So yeah. I'm hopeful that's, that's really what I want to know. Come April, are we going to be able to watch practice? You know, it's going to, you know, could they say media, like limited media, you could spread it out. I mean, it could be on top of the baseball field. I don't know. I mean, hopefully like one there's person on like the, the pool deck, one person on, yeah, <laughs> they could, I mean, there's things that they could do. And I, you know, I honestly, I felt like the administration was going to try to work with the media last year. And it just was like, it seemed like it was going to be too tough, but now that everything's behind them, I think there's more of a, there's more time to plan, uh, especially with the numbers going in the right direction where there's less cases, less people in the ICU, less deaths, all that kind of stuff. So I'm crossing my fingers. I, there, I think there's some opportunities there um, for USC to, you know, let some media in it. It's good. I mean, it's, it's good for the program too uh, when people are covering them and uh, you're getting more stories out there. It just 
everyone doing stuff from the same Zoom workout is not as, uh, you know, it's just not as compelling. Um, yeah. Being able to make some observations. I think you can, you know, you can get people more excited by like, oh, we saw this. You know, you're not talking about the third string left tackle, but if he has like three great reps and Chris Trevino writes it down in his notebook and he talks about, yeah, he went up against, uh, you know, uh, Corey Foreman and like stonewalled him three times. Like, whoa, what's going on? You know, so stuff like that is kind of cool. You put it out there and the, and the people in the parastyle are like, oh, I like that. But you can't do that. You're, you're not getting stuff like that from a Zoom workout or a, a one minute highlight video of practice that we get yeah. every once in a while. Yeah, it's definitely different. Shotgun? I, I think the, the positive thing there is that, you know, the the Coliseum and the Galen Center technically aren't on campus. The baseball field is, and the baseball field has been open to media. So I think that's a positive sign towards the potential because, as I, like I just said, other schools are not ha allowing media on campus. So that USC is, maybe that's a positive sign towards us being able to see them in the spring. Yeah, I like that. It's good. Yeah, you know. Trying to be positive here. You're, good, you, good were, you were a media person covering something at Dado Field, right, like an actual game. You're talking about, you know, a pitching wedge from that over to uh, Howard Jones. Could the media be there covering that too? I would think so. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, Facebook, if you want to get on the question love, be sure to do so. Uh, Mike on Facebook said, how are players reacting to the new strength and conditioning program? I think we've seen it has been positive. Uh, what, would, what did we uh, – we were talking about this last time. What was the thing? It was like – Toughness, discipline, and uh, United Airlines. <laughs> Toughness, discipline. I mean, just United. So, and I haven't seen that since. Like, I thought it was like going to be a that, thing. That wasn't new, Ryan. That was like since August of 2020. Really, it wasn't a new <laughs> yes. thing. Oh, I was, I, <laughs> so we paid a lot. Of, or I paid a lot. Of you didn't know like you brought it up either, but the, okay. but I haven't really. I thought it was going to be like branding on their their videos going forward. And then I, I keep looking. I'm like, oh, did they put that in there? Nope. <laughs> The random things you pay attention to. No, yeah. but what I heard is he, uh, Robert Steiner and company are, are whooping some butts out there. Apparently, it's it's been intense. And so it's a, it's a change of pace. Now, I know off-season hype and strength and conditioning, it sounds like the same thing every new coach and new yeah. off-season. So I get it if you're a little uh, uh, hesitant. But so far, it seems like people are, yeah. are getting worked out there. So Do you remember that one strength coach that came into that one football program and nobody was excited and it was not as cool <laughs> as before? No, because that's never happened. It's always like, oh, my God. It's like, this is the greatest thing ever. There's a new strength coach. It's it's always amazeballs, right? It's always something awesome. Um, so we'll see. And people want it. There's people on the peristyle. They're like, what's different? What's exactly different? Like, first of all, we're not able to watch that stuff. Yes. They're not going to. If you if we get we try to get Robert Steiner, they won't let him uh, let us interview him yet. You can only watch the videos and stuff. So that's all we're getting. Just what you guys are seeing on social media. But if we ask them, like, so what did Aaron Osmus do that was terrible and that you're doing it much better? Like, they're never going to say that. They're never going to tell you, well, he was doing this. He's going to tell you about his philosophy, and it's going to be different. I mean, we already know from – you know, Aaron Osmus sat right here next to us and, and was great talking to him about stuff. But you know he was a lot about, you know, eating – you know, lifting heavy, eating thick, um, you know, eating steaks and – um, you know, pushing cars. And I mean, that was his, you know, you could get that was his philosophy from this. It doesn't seem like that's sort of the same thing. You're seeing a lot of different workouts. There's a lot of like lighter weights doing, uh, you know, stuff, mobilist, stuff that you wouldn't really see from Aaron Osmus plan. Not that one's better or worse. I don't know. We're, we're no strength and conditioning experts, but you're going to see. And when we hear from him, we'll probably hear just different kind of philosophies. He's not going to say, here's what Aaron Osmus was doing wrong. Here's what we're doing differently, but he's going to tell you what he does. And, you know, we'll see what, you know, the proof will be in the pudding when, how they play, but they're going to, most strength coaches are going to have some kind of different philosophy of what's the best way to train these athletes to become better football players. And, uh, from what I've heard, like Keely said, it seems like guys are pretty excited about, you know, what they're seeing from, uh, Robert Steiner. And we do know, I mean, we're not saying it was all him. I don't know what percentage of his, you know, work was the success at Notre Dame, but it was very successful at Notre Dame. So, you know, you've tried to hire people. Bill Belichick goes to, you know, what, nine Super Bowls in, in 19 years. You try to hire his assistants. It doesn't always work out that way. I think this is a little bit different. Like, this is a philosophy that you're bringing from the strength, you know, weight room and putting it somewhere else. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about uh, what Robert Steiner could do. Just from what we're hearing, it seems like the results have been positive. Shotgun, any thoughts? 
I just, I really want, it doesn't have to be a strength coach, but any coach to come in and just, you know, fire off what was wrong about the previous coach. <laughs> I think it's going to take Marshawn Lynch becoming a full-time coach. <laughs> I think that's what's going to happen. And, that's what people want. The fans, like, keep asking, like, what is the, I'm like, they're not going to tell you that. They're not going to say that. You know, tell you exactly what it is. So it's, that's a, why it's up to us to try to see the differences. And unfortunately, strength and training, one, you, you, you're never really watching that. You're not, that's off-season stuff. We're not allowed. Uh, but you know, as far as position coaches and stuff, we haven't been able to watch any of the new guys in the last year. So that's unfortunate. Yep. All right, let's go to a live caller. I believe everyone can guess who it is. It's our weekly caller. Dave from Iowa is on the line. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. What's your question for the team? Uh, so just, or I don't know if you guys noticed, but Oregon also got a commit from Texas this past weekend. So I was curious what your thoughts are and how, and uh, or on how uh, Oregon got a technically a better uh, Texas player than we did, but we don't. But half our half our um, coaching staff is from the state of Texas, so I kind of find that very interesting and probably shows something that Oregon or Oregon's recruiting is definitely on the right track once again. But um, I was kind of curious on this statement for you guys. Robert Steiner left a college football playoff team. For the same job, so is it safe to say that USC gave him a pay raise? A pay raise? He actually didn't go yeah. for the same job. He was the assistant at Notre Dame and yeah. then took over at USC. So he's getting yeah. you know he's a new director. position. Yeah. yeah, he's running the show as opposed to you know being a part of it. Yeah. yeah, so it's you know it's an upgrade. It's a promotion. Um, we talked about this before. You could hire, go like get you know uh, Iowa State strength coach. You think he's good. He could be the head strength coach at Iowa State and come to USC. It's a little harder to get the head strength coach at Notre Dame to come to USC. That's sort of like a you know parallel move, unless you gave him a different title. He does have a fancy title, but you know one of the ways you could go about it is you know, is the you get the assistant coach and who's working there. As far as like we're we're in February and you want to compare like two verbal commits like for, that you know from the state of Texas. <laughs> like it's not that it doesn't like you're not going to base the whole class on you know February. 20th like two guys committed from the state of texas one to oregon one to usc and the oregon guys ranked a little higher so that their class is better like it's you can't do that i mean it's just yeah oregon's recruiting really well they've won the pac-12 as far as the recruiting battles go and usc is trying to take back the west they're trying to get that uh number one spot they built on you know last year the the number eight class oregon i think was number six uh, they're gonna, you know, they've got a good start for 2022. We'll see if they're able to to run Oregon down. I don't think it's going to be about who gets the better players out of Texas. It's going to be who gets the best offensive linemen on the West Coast. Last year, Oregon got the two best tackles on the West Coast. USC wants to get those kind of guys, you know. So USC is already doing it with Dante Williams in the secondary. Can they do that uh, locally with some of the big guys on the defensive line and the offensive line? I think that's where you're going to want to look, not some February verbal commit from a couple of Texas players. Shotgun. USC also still has a higher ranked class right now. So yeah. Um, yeah. You're not looking at it though. I, I don't think this is what happening is happening, but it would be great if it was just the, these two teams are so petty with each other in recruiting battles that, you know, cause a lot of times the out of state commitments, like I talked about earlier, you don't want them to you know commit too early and then have people trying to, you know, the higher ranked guys, you know, having all the local schools or the schools in the conference, you know, where they're at, trying to come and, you know, force their way in and take that commitment away. So, but maybe, so normally you would try to get one of those guys be like, hey, you're a silent commit. They tell you, yeah, I'm coming there, coach. Let's keep it on the down low for now and let's announce it later on. That happens a lot. That's the whole whole idea with silent commits a lot of times for out-of-state kids. But with USC and Oregon, I, I wouldn't mind them being so petty that they're like, oh, they got to commit. All right, we gotta. Hey, Let's you gotta make one of ours. You yeah. gotta make one of yours. Verb. You gotta make it. You know, public now. We we need to. You know, strike back at them. You know, just going back and forth at each other that way. That'd be great. I don't think that's what's happening at all, but it would be great. Yeah. <laughs> because coaches do. I don't think. I don't know if fans necessarily um, know this, but coaches do plan out when commitments are announced publicly. You know, if you get someone that says, "Hey, coach, I'm ready to commit." All right. Let's wait until 
you know, maybe it's two weeks away or let's, and let's try to make it in a momentum building thing. And maybe it's, you get a couple of commits in a row. Maybe you get one right before signing day or right after for the next class, just to try to build that momentum. Those things do happen. It's not always the case. Some kids want to commit on a certain day because it's mom's birthday. You know, you, you take that commitment or you don't. But, uh, you know, sometimes coaches will say, you know, a kid comes and says, I want to commit. It's like, all right. But how, what if we announced it and you give a specific time or date and give a reason why and kids are like, yeah, that's great. Let's do that. Makes sense. Makes sense. That was such an abrupt ending, Chuck, and it yeah. was like a narrative and then boom, stopped. I don't know. I, it just popped in my head. I don't know if fans really know that that happens, but it does. It does. Uh, Andy on Facebook wanted to know, what's happening with Pali EA na Ote Ote? He's still in the transfer portal yeah. and, you know, still waiting to hear where he ends up landing. It doesn't seem like... We haven't seen a lot of traction for you, him coming back to USC, so the longer it, it uh, the delay continues, then it's less and less likely that that's the case. Yeah. We got this question multiple times. People wanted to know if USC will have a pro day uh, this year. They will. They'll have it next month. So there you go for that. Yeah, because there's really not a combine, so they're going to be relying on the pro days. So they're definitely going to have to have pro days across the country. Jasper Smith said, does Fult declaring USC completely open for the fall help with recruiting in any way? Um, I mean, if it's completely open, that means it's easier for local kids to come on campus and visit, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know for sure, but... I mean, as long as the dead period's going on, I mean, that's, hopefully it's over by then, but... Well, that's uh, just official visits. I'm talking about unofficial, you yeah. know, stop by campus. If And then also, it will help for those unofficial visits because then you can actually see you know, what is going on on campus on a normal day versus yeah. right now. Like when I went the other day, when I went yesterday, the days get mixed up in the spring. Yesterday on Saturday, it's kind of like a ghost town. You know, there's checkpoints to get in and there were a couple of students walking around, but there was like no one, no one around the campus. You know, normally the crosswalks and stuff are full. No, so it was a little, it was kind of a little bit eerie to be mm -hmm. honest. Yeah. So you give them a, a more of a actual sense of what campus is like if all the students are there. Makes sense. Uh, Andrew wanted to know who is the fastest player on USC's team in our opinion, and he says Keenan Kristen? Question mark. That's where I'm. Going. I would guess yeah. him. Yeah, I would guess that as well. I mean, he's the track guy with you know legit times. So. I mean, Gary Bryant Jr. is pretty fast. But I think I think Kristen's faster, right? I, I mean, he had he's faster like track times. To be fast. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Gregory on YouTube said, can USC get the number one 2022 recruiting class? Number one? Numero uno. <sighs> I don't think so because because um, they're not going after those top like couple of quarterbacks. quarterbacks yeah. yeah, I mean, if they were really going hard after a Malik Murphy or A.J. Duffy, then one, that's going to be good for your points and stuff in the ranking-wise, but also those quarterbacks can be – you know, if you get those in early, they can help build the class. So the fact that they don't don't seem to be, they've gotten uh, Brown out of Texas, Devin Brown, and, I mean, not Texas, out of Arizona, and they're, they seem content with having him as the quarterback in the class. Coley said, you've all interviewed and interacted with Coach Steve Sarkeesian and his limited time as coach at USC. Now as the Texas head coach, do you see him, quote-unquote, negative recruiting against USC? Uh, John Willer did a piece about how Steve Sarkeesian is definitely can come after. I mean, he's you know, maybe not so much a bone to pick with Washington, but certainly with USC. He tried to sue USC. Um, he gets Malik Murphy. Uh, you know, they lost their top quarterback commit who went switched to Ohio State, I think. Uh, and then they come from, you know, Sarah High School. And I, I mean, I've been at Sarah High School when Steve Sarkeesian was there checking out uh, other quarterbacks and stuff, but, you know, back in the day. Uh, when he was actually a coach at Washington, he knows the Southern California landscape. He grew up around, you know, he is definitely going to be a thorn, not in just USC side, but the Pac-12 side. If he gets Texas rolling, um, he'll definitely be able to cherry pick some great guys out of the state. And we've already seen, you know, the Clemsons and Ohio States and Alabamas do that very effectively. Now you got another program uh, that's doing it. So I, I think he's definitely going to do that. And getting the top quarterback on the West Coast is, a, is certainly a good start for him. Shotgun? Texas has been getting some guys from California. I mean, DeGabriel Floyd, unfortunately, his career was cut short because of the neck injury. But, you know, he's a, a big-name guy that was committed to USC initially. Yep. Um, so that's one of the guys. There's a couple other uh, – 
Edamora, the safety um, from the Long Beach area, went to Texas. So there's been a couple players going there. So it's just another national program that's come in. And because the Pac-12, and in particular USC, has been down, they found a way to end. And Steve Sarkeesian will contend that because he has connections and whatnot. But he's got to worry about Texas first. Yeah. If you don't recruit well in Texas yeah. when you're at Texas – you go and get all your recruits from Florida or California or some combination and don't recruit in Texas, you won't last long. Even if you're doing well, you won't last long. Yeah. Wilner interviewed him. He said that as much like you got to take care of Texas, but there was definitely like a wink and a nod, like, but you know, luck out California. I'm coming there too. So he's, uh, that's going to be someone that USC will have to contend with. So you got to, what did Pete Carroll do? He definitely did a great job putting a fence around the state. He did that by winning. He didn't just by like, hey, we want to recruit the state really hard. That's fine. You got to win. And, uh, you know, going to an Orange Bowl in his second year, you got Sean Cody, that first recruiting class, and that sort of was like the big domino to fall. And once they started winning and he made it cool to stay in California again, like Shotgun said, with USC down and the Pac-12 down, I mean, with USC down, it's hard for the Pac-12 to not be down. If USC is good, it could actually help all of Pac-12 recruiting because it can make it cool. USC can make it cool to stay on the West Coast where now a lot of these top players are like, the cool thing to do is to go someplace where you can go to a college football playoff because you haven't done that. You know, these guys, that, these high school players have never seen a Pac-12 team in a college football playoff in their high school career. So that's kind of scary. Yeah. We have a question for you, Shotgun, from David, who says, can USC beat ASU in baseball this year? Sure. <laughs> Baseball is not a sport where you can't beat. I mean, yeah. like I said, I just came from UCLA where the number two team got upset by a WCC team for the series. So, yeah. There you go. Uh, Dave says, do you think Mike Bone will make a change at head coach for the other USC basketball team, the women of Troy? Hard to say. I mean, track has been there for two years now, I think it is, uh, you know, in his return to USC. So, you know, d does Mike Bone want to make a move or not? You know, I don't know what the contract is, and it kind of depends on, hey, do I want to get my own hire in there? Yeah, they had a good – I think they hired a pretty good women's basketball coach at Cincinnati, if I remember correctly. But I'm sorry, I don't know much about the USC women's basketball team, so I don't even know what they're doing right now. But so there you Probably go. not well, I guess. They're not doing very well. They've been up and down. They're kind of middling in the Pac-12. Okay. Tony says, will USC's defensive line be the best in the country next year? No, no. I mean, come on! Like what? There's no one. Yeah. No one on that that group is proven. Yeah. I mean, Drake Jackson has shown flashes, but what's his? What's he got? Three sacks? Is that his career high? I think, or three and a half last year? Yeah. So two, right? Or two this this past year. Okay. But I'm talking about as a true freshman. So you know, there's no one. You know, when you lose Marlon Tuipiloto and Jay Tefele, then yeah. You know who's who's going to step up and fill those spots? Brandon Peely, we you know, shown some flashes. You know, Nick Figueroa has gotten the backfield. There's pieces there, and you add Corey Foreman. You, you're really excited about that, but no one's proven there, so no, I don't think so. Yeah. He had two and a half in 2020. Or he had two, sorry, five and a half in 2019. Razor X says, how concerned should USC be about their running game? Definitely a concern. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about it for the entirety of the second <laughs> half of the season, I guess. For basically two months about how bad their running game was. And if you listen to what Clay McGuire had to say, I mean, it definitely feels like you, there's going to be an emphasis uh, on that. I mean, I got to talk to, to Graham Harrell. It seemed a little different than when we talked to him. Uh, I think Shotgun asked him, and he, you know, when he asked about the running game struggles, I think for the Washington State game, he said, you know, Keen Slow has completed 17 straight passes. It seems like, you know, hey, we they want to be able to run the football too. He talked about that. Harrell talked about that when he first got to USC that there wasn't going to be a, you know, 75% passing kind of offense, but you want to just have an effective uh, run game or you should, you, you should, or if, if it's not effective, just throw the ball 75 times. If that's really what you want to be, that's not what they've said. And I think this off season, you're hearing a little bit different verbiage is, and I feel like it's going to be a little bit more emphasis on the run. That's just my gut feeling. Shotgun, your gut. I, I just think that they, Bringing in someone that has the background in the air raid is going to work better with Graham Harrell, work better with Mike Jinks. I just think they'll be more on the same page, and I think you'll see better results from that. And again, like I've talked about on previous shows, the fact that this entire group, even though you lose Elijah Vera Tucker, which is a big loss, but even though you lose him, this entire group should get a spring camp. They should get fall, I mean, a fall camp. They should get the summer workouts. Whereas last year's group didn't, and last year's group was, you know, which will be this year's group, we're all moving to new positions. 
besides Brett Elon. Everyone else was moving somewhere on the offensive line. So I think they really were hurt by the fact they didn't get the camps. So I, I think getting those offensive line in camps and having them work together and have that camaraderie build up going into the season rather than trying to build it during the season, I think will be really big for them. And I think that those all those things combined will help the running game to be better. The boss man said we should go to an hour. So... In the spirit of that, we're going to go into rapid fire right now. Uh, Mark Watkins said, should USC be going out of state for all of these three stars? Are they really better than what's available in state? USC only used to go out of state for guys they projected as first rounders. I think this goes back to what Ryan talked about is the fact that in-state's not playing. So are you just going to base on like, oh, that guy was good two years ago when we saw him play in high school. So let's get his commitment. No, you need to see these guys play. Now you're going to leave plenty of spots for those locals. So I think it's more that you're going to start out of state and you're going to loop back to the in-state when you can see them play. I think that's a luxury that you could have when you're recruiting at a top five level off it. Like USC went from recruiting like worse than the Pac-12 to a top 10 class. And I think you can keep building on that. If you get another top 10, top six, something like that class, I think you can be a little bit more picky with that kind of stuff. But that was like Pete Carroll in his prime where he would like, oh, who are you going to get out of state? Ah, oh, Brian Cushing, I'll get him, but I don't need to go get anybody else. Um, you're getting those, you know, four, you know, high four stars and five star guys. Uh, I don't think USC is in that position right now where they can do that. Um, we had multiple questions about JT Tuimolau. Shotgun, you can say it for me. Yeah. Uh, they want to know if USC has a shot with JT. It's interesting. Yeah, they definitely have a shot. They're still in that top five. It's interesting now that the dead period is being moved back once again. When is the, when is the breaking point where he decides, okay, that's it. If I if I can't go on visits, then I'm going to make a decision. So I don't. We haven't. I haven't heard anything on that front. Um, you know, from him since the announcement was made. But that's an interesting extra layer in development in that recruitment because I think USC for USC to be able to get him, I think they need to get him on campus again. So the last time he was on campus was like his in between his freshman and sophomore years, I think. So it's been a long time. So there's a lot of things that they can show him, um, you know, with the new staff and everything else. And obviously, all those very personable guys that they just hired are much better in person. Uh, so you know, I think it would behoove them to be able to get him on campus. But right now, they're still dead period. So their their chances will improve if they can get him on campus when the dead period opens. Will he wait? Still, that's a big question. Um, we have a question from Jasper Smith who says, well, Johnson is committing this week. What is USC's chance? They're in the final three with Michigan and Ohio State. Um, Damani Jackson is recruiting him hard. That's a guy that, you know, those two guys want to play together. Two cornerbacks on each side. Would be nice to have two five-star cornerbacks yeah. uh, side by side. So you know that the guy that, that you're not, never going to be – they're not going to run away the best receiver from you all the time. Uh, we had a question from Williams who said, Hey, Shotgun, what will it take for Stephen Carr to take over the running back position for 2021? Consistency. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Hitting the hole hard is something he was doing, but you know, consistency getting those yardage. And you know, he did a great job picking up blitzes and stuff as a blocker. So I think that's the biggest thing for him, to show that burst and be consistent with it. Uh, we have a live caller, so we're going to actually go to that and then wrap it up soon. Hello, you are live on television. Yeah, hi, uh, this is Gerardo from Medellin, Colombia. Look at that. And I have a question for, sh <laughs> yeah. I have a question for Shotgun. If you can please explain uh, what's the advantage of the spread line? It's the offensive line for the air raid. It seems to me you could put two guys next to the center and they just run straight to the quarterback. So what's the advantage of having the big caps and the spread line? So the, the idea is that you're going to spread out the defensive front because if you do put those two gaps, I mean, you do put those two defensive linemen together, then that means you're going to have a gaping hole somewhere else and you're going to attack that over and over. So defensive lines will then spread out their attack and it takes longer to the quarterback. And the fact the air raid throws so many short passes and quick quick game stuff, then you expect that you should be able to block a little bit, you know, you can get it a little bit extra time blocking there because the quarterback a little bit more time just because the guys off the edge have so much further to come. So that's one of the big advantages there. And then when you run your, your zone run scheme, you, you have that defensive line spread out. So now if you can just 
just get in front of them, you should have some lanes to, that open up on the outside. So that's why you see a lot of outside zone runs in the air raid offense. Yeah, they do a lot of the zone blocking, and you can try to overload a zone if you're a defense, but like Shotgun said, that's going to leave holes other places, and there should be the ability for the quarterback to attack it quickly. Sometimes it's, you know, if it's the zone read you're running, it, you know, if the quarterback would run, he could take off and run if you're seeing the lineman come from the one side or hit the ball off or dump it off. So they're, you know, in theory, you can do that and you can try to get to the quarterback, but if there's, you know, there's counters to that and that's where you get burned. So then you kind of stop, you force the defense to stop doing things like that. But how cool is that? We got a caller from I was about to say, Columbia, I, Medellin. Oh, let's so go. I get so excited for international callers. Yeah, it's so cool. I love that. So thank you. We appreciate the call. Um, usually we don't take late, late calls, but Michael was like, you got to take this one. Oh, and I'm course, glad we yeah. did. So thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. A couple more questions and then we'll wrap the show up. AEW said, who is the greatest USC football player of all time? Whew, geez. <laughs> yeah. There's like a lot of guys that signed this helmet um, that are pretty cool. But mm-hmm. uh, if we're going off of 247 rankings, the all time commits list. Oh, Shotgun oh. doesn't like this. Well, <laughs> okay, that's, fine. Never there's mind. There's almost like what, uh, 11 national championships before that or something? Okay, what, how many, okay, wait, fine. how many does USC have? I'm thinking baseball. Baseball has 12. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm going to go with Marcus Allen because he blocked for a Heisman Trophy winner and then he won his own Heisman Trophy. Yeah, he's pretty obviously pretty special. I mean, OJ would have to be up there. I mean, you could do like a, a Ronnie Lott or something. I mean, people could say y'all Anthony Munoz, so he just didn't have as good. He signed this actually, but um, you know, he was more of an NFL guy, like just greatest football player of all time, or you know, one of the greatest offensive linemen of all time. But that's a tough one, man. I mean, you can have a Mount Rushmore, which would be a little bit easier. But it's yeah, there's I mean, different eras, different. Um, just amazing, you know, some amazing players that played at USC. A lot of Hall of Famers, a lot of NFL Hall of Famers, too. Mm-hmm. Got like Liner, all the wins that he uh, yeah. racked up as a quarterback. There's plenty of options. But you didn't even pick one, Ryan. Uh, you gave options. You didn't pick one. Yeah. And neither did Keeley. I'll go OJ. You pulled the Keeley as well. I'm going to say OJ. I'll do. Yeah. There you go. With juice. Trojan Simi said, Shotgun. Keeley still didn't make it. <laughs> Ronnie Lott. There you go. <laughs> Uh, Jordan Simi said, Shotgun, do you honestly believe that USC can return to football greatness with Carol Fold, who appears to be more committed to turning USC into a quote-unquote Ivy League-esque school? Yeah, why not? <laughs> you're, you're recruiting. If you get the right coach in, that's what matters. It, now, are you saying that Carol Fold is nixing any good hire because she doesn't want the athletic department to be better than the academics? No, I don't think that. I think she understands the value of a quality athletic department as well. Andy says, do you think uh, Solon Tuyalapupu will start this season? Got to be healthy. Yeah, just we've seen like one good practice, you know, like it's just hard to say, oh, yeah. he's going to be, until we see him out there, we let him see us practice for a couple of weeks. And if he's in the spring, you're like, all right, give him a shot. But until then, until we see it, it's just one of those things you can't even really talk about. Uh, one final question. Uh, it's from Coley White. He dedicated to the USC faithful, so y'all can put your que- your comments in while we're answering. But Ryan, I'm going to direct it towards you because you're a Herm Edwards guy. <laughs> Not uh, okay. really, but you are now. Okay. Uh, would you trade Helton for Herm Edwards? I kind of seeing him. I kind of see him making his way to USC in five years. I don't know how you would see that, Coley, but. Yeah, Herm Edwards not coming to USC in five years. Like, that's his final job. Um, if you're saying, like, who would I rather, like, who do I think would do a better job coaching sure, USC, if you want to do that? Sure. Yeah, I would pick, I would. I, I think Herm Edwards is a better coach than Clay Helton, and I think he would do a, a better job. But I think Herm's in a perfect spot for what he's doing now. I thought it was really weird that he came back, but he did. But he's not going to be, like, some upward mobility guy where he's like, oh, like, uh, Texas is coming. Like I think he's just he's going to coach Arizona State, and that's probably going to be it. Shotgun, you hate hypotheticals. This is don't even answer it. <laughs> it's the interesting thing about Herm Edwards is that he has to win more at Arizona State. Yeah, you know they're doing some of the right things, and this is very similar to USC. They're doing some of the right things with their hires, and they're you know getting some good recruiters in there, and they've been recruiting some good people, but the wins just haven't followed necessarily. Yeah, how old is he? He was. Uh... I'm trying to say quick Google search while yeah. you're Googling that, Honestly, Ryan. it's similar to, to Bobby Hurley with their basketball program, recruiting really well, doing some really positive things, got him in the conversation, some big wins occasionally, but just overall, not enough wins. Yeah, he's 66 years old. Like, wow. I, you know, it's not like, yeah, I think he's there, and that's it's been a good spot for him. He's winning about the same clip as uh, 
what's his name? What was the, the uh, uh, Todd Graham? Todd Graham was doing, yeah. But you know, I like what the, they're recruiting better. I like the staff he's put together. They're you know a thorn in USC sides as far as recruiting goes in Southern California. You know, got Chris Claiborne there. You got Chris Hawkins there. I like what you know. I like what he's doing, but I don't. I don't think he's. He's gonna. He's not gonna end up at USC in five years when he's seventy-one years old. Like that's not who USC is going to hire in five years. True. Oh, I lied. One last question. Mark wanted to know, shotgun. How long until your hair is as long as my hair? <laughs> uh, my hair's too long. I need a haircut. I just gets poofy, so okay. I can't really tell how long it is. Right? It's more like a fro, right? Yeah. You got, you got <laughs> some flowing out the back. He's right got now. some flow. You got some full hair. I can see like the clip in the back. Like yeah, there's it's... layers to it. Like there's not. You know, it's not. Just I would like... like to get a haircut, but I'm still. <laughs> Not you comfortable enough either. to go hang out at salons. There um. you go. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, before we wrap it up? Like we mentioned, USC will take on Oregon tomorrow. Important game for the team, so make sure you stay tuned for that. That's on FS1, I believe. But mm -hmm. any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Yeah, just um, I know we got some people like lamenting the the Periscope. I mean, I feel bad that Periscope is going away. <laughs> but your we'll, group, Ryan. We'll do. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll hopefully we can do it on the Twitter. But make sure you follow us on on Twitter. Um, or, you know, go to uscfootball.com and find it there either on YouTube or Facebook. But we hope we'll be able to do like a Twitter feed as well. But we appreciate, you know, you watching on all the platforms. And I know it's the weird off season and stuff, but, uh, you know, we're going to keep trying to do these on Sunday nights and lead all the way up until uh, spring football. And hopefully we got some juicy stuff coming up. But we're trying to do some interviews and, you know, do some off season things while we're doing it. USC has been pretty good providing players and coaches and stuff. So we'll keep doing that and give you some little tidbits and stuff, and uh, keep talking to you guys here. Yep. Shadi, any thoughts? Yes, Andy Reyes. Trig is potentially the next Drake London. Um, but also, Ryan, 50% yes. off, right? Plus <laughs> CBS All Access. Yes. <laughs> there you go. I'm to throw it to you for you to sell it better than I am. Oh, I was like, was it? yeah. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, you want to be, you know, to go to the water cooler when you get back to the office at some point, and you want to tell your friends about USC football. You got to read the Peristyle. You got to read what's going on. It's fifty percent off right now, and CBS All Access. So they got that Star Star Trek show. They got all kinds of cool stuff. Anything that you watch on CBS, you can watch on CBS All Access. No commercials, and uh, they actually are going to do a lot of live sports and stuff too. So it looks kind of cool, um, you know, what they're doing with that. So the, it'll be Paramount Plus in like. Uh, two weeks or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it'll, so. it'll be soon. Yeah, Ryan, it, no one goes to the water cooler anymore. It's all <laughs> it's all in the group chat though. Yeah, oh yeah, you want to get in your the... Slack channel and just like tell people Slack what's going channel. on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. A lot of work people use the Slack stuff. Sure, yeah. but you don't really like. It. Yeah, okay, whatever. We'll we'll wrap it up. That's gonna wrap it up for today's show. Thanks so much for everybody for watching. We'll see y'all on Sunday. That's Shotgun. That's Ryan. I'm Kelly. We'll see y'all next week.